Good afternoon and welcome to this live edition of Mid-South Viewpoint on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Cloudy skies and 52 degrees. So good to have you along. On the aftermath of my birthday, my birthday was yesterday, and I just want to salute our staff each uh, birthday in the office. We like to pay tribute to those uh, that are getting gainfully older. (laughs) So uh, it was my turn. And uh, I have been trying to watch what I eat for the last few months and trying to shed some pounds, so I didn't take the traditional cake. We can choose these delicious strawberry, caramel, or chocolate cakes. And uh, I decided fruit parfaits with uh, blueberries, strawberries, some uh, organic yogurt, maybe some slivers of almonds, you know. So we had we had little parfait, fruit parfaits yesterday, and uh, they did a great job in making me feel special. And I just want to thank them so much. But, uh, hey, we're glad to have you along on our programs. We talk about a special event coming up at Christ Church as they present Still a Man panel. It's all to honor the legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, Wednesday, February 28th from 6 to 8 p.m., as I mentioned, at Christ Church. And we are privileged to have with us the the two engines. <laughs> I say the two, these guys are like a tag team at uh, Christ Church. We've got the senior pastor, of course, Dr. Shane Stanford, and uh, minister at large, Dr. Maxie Dunham. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you. Great to be Maxie, here. Maxie, I've got to ask you this. When I saw that your title is minister at large, is there a warrant for your arrest? I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some people who would like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is such a dynamic story of how the two of you, I mean, usually when a pastor retires, uh, a, a big portion of the people are glad he's leaving. There's probably some that wished he would stay, and uh, and they're welcome, looking forward to the new ministry of a pastor to come in, but there has been this dynamic chemistry between the two of you. Shane, I know before you came to Christ Church, you have been a longtime admirer uh, of uh, of this dear man right here Absolutely. who's been, I know, a mentor of yours, either up close or at a distance. But uh, just talk about that relationship, the dynamic of you two working together in ministry. Well, you know, I, I told people that um, literally I, I said to the church when I was coming to Memphis that uh, I would not want to come to Memphis unless Maxie agreed to stay. He had come back as the interim uh, senior pastor at the time that they were looking for a new pastor. I was in uh, Florida at a church where he would visit occasionally when he would go down to uh, to the beach. And so he's the one that sort of orchestrated the group coming through and uh, come to find out just about every member of the, the committee, the search committee, came through at one point or another, I think, on their way to see Maxie at his condo. And so, um, you know, it has been a joy. I, um, you know, I revere this man. He he is an incredible mentor and teacher, and I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And we love it. I, I wouldn't want to do this without him. And, Maxie, for you, I know that uh, Shane, of course, had been just a, a standout, a leader, a, a well-thought-of Bible teacher in the United uh, Methodist Church denomination, uh, already had a successful media ministry, uh, was you know known through the denomination. So you knew who Shane, Shane was, didn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, he didn't he didn't need to worry about following me. I mean, it was such a tremendous thing for the congregation to have found him uh, and selected him to be the senior minister. And he says that he says he would not come unless I stayed. I said I would not stay unless it was his decision. Uh, so we've we've had a great relationship uh, and. Uh, when you get to be my age, uh, you don't have anything to prove anymore, uh, or you shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> so I've not had to prove anything. So there's not been any any sense, not even any hint of competition. Yes, so yeah. it's been a great, great journey. I think I've told this story. You know, back in the mid-'90s, we were missionaries with Transworld Radio on the island of Guam. And there was a missionary there with us. Uh, at the time was single but got married to a young lady from China. His name was Glenn Shane. And uh, while we were there, uh, back, I said, in the late-'90s, came back in 2000, Glenn left the field with his wife and came back to the U.S. to go to seminary. And when you know, he went to Asbury Seminary, where you were at that time the president of the school, because you had left Memphis after, what, 10 or 12 years of ministry here. And then you yeah. were for 10 years. Is it New Jersey where the school is? No, it's it's in Kentucky. Kentucky, Lexington, excuse Kentucky. me, Kentucky, yeah, yeah. where you went. Glenn's actually pastoring a Methodist church now in New Jersey. So that's what I, the connection there. But you were the president of the school at that time. Wow, wow. So we even have a connection that I didn't know. That's exactly, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> that's great. Well, as I mentioned, there is a special event coming to Christ Church next Wednesday called uh, Still a Man Panel. Now, we know this is all, as you mentioned, in honor of the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, which we know tragically his life came to an end here. Uh, as he came for the support of the sanitation workers, mm. the horrible conditions that they were, uh, you know, forced to, to work in within. And, uh, of course, it led to his assassination. And this is MLK 50. And so this is a time to reflect back and look at the future. But you guys have put together a special panel yeah. to come. Can give us some insight into what this is all about. Well, as you know, we host uh, every week uh, a little television program called We Believe in Memphis, where we try to interview uh, folks who are doing good things. You know, we try to talk about the good news. And as we were planning for what we wanted to do for um, the 50th anniversary uh, of the, the, the death of Dr. King, we knew that there would be a lot of folks who would be putting together programs and events around the last part of March and the early part of April. So we decided to focus on things that brought Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference to Memphis in the first place. And we talked to some historians. We talked to folks who were there, members of the sanitation workers, just trying to get a sense. And we came down to four issues. One was certainly race and violence in the whole conversation of race. Number two was poverty. Number three was education. And fourth was health care access. And so we decided we would do four programs, one on each of these issues for We Believe in Memphis. We would also at Christ Church, uh, we have four teaching pastors, and uh, each pastor was given one of those issues. And we have a rotation so that all seven of our worship services will hear each of those four. Four 
services or those four sermons, and then we're going to be kind of culminating all of that with this panel discussion that has just some of the finest leaders throughout these issues in the city of Memphis. Well, and those leaders include W.J. Michael Cody, who was a former lawyer of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., also Reverend Kenneth S. Robinson, M.D., President and CEO of United Way of the Mid-South, and Reverend Dr. Deborah uh, Smith, who's mm-hmm. the district superintendent of the Memphis Metro District District of the United Methodist Church. You know, with all of that and all, all the great, uh, you know, leadership you're bringing to this and, and the emphasis you're, your emphasis you're making on this, uh, Maxie, why do you feel the responsibility as a pastor to to get involved with this issue? Well, of course, my my understanding of the nature of the church uh, makes us responsible for that because the gospel is related to all the issues we're going to be talking about. Those four issues that that Shane mentioned that brought Dr. King to Memphis are issues that that you would have. Uh, uh, information about in terms of Christians responding to that even in the New Testament. And for sure, throughout history, uh, Christians have been compelled because of the nature of the gospel to respond to uh, human need. And Jesus was always uh, addressing the needs of people at the point of their particular need, not not beyond that. Uh, and that's the reason the, the gospel is so expens- expansive in terms of the good news that it brings to a community. Mm-hmm. So we th- have to think in terms of those issues that are impacting persons. The gospel needs to be spoken into those issues. And, and this is not just, you know, in terms of uh, a program. What we're really trying to accomplish is a, a narrative, a conversation that will continue for much further than just th- this particular period or even this year, because we believe that there has been some progress in, in many of these areas in the last 50 years, and most of that progress has happened because of conversation and because of communities beginning a new narrative and saying, you know, we are just not going to to, to be settled with this. We know that we can do better. Um, there are certain issues that we're better down the road than with other issues. And I think that's also part of this discussion is being able to honestly look and say, we still have a lot of work to do in race. We still have a lot of work to do in poverty or whatever it might be. You know, Senator James Lankford, I had a chance to meet him in Washington a couple years ago, and he's written a book on race relations. And one of the things he said, he feels like the kitchen table is really the best place to start when you talk about race issues is getting your feet under the same table you know, and having a, a meal together, word. having fellowship together, listening to each other. And one of the things, going back to the TV production that you're doing with uh, We Believe in Memphis, which I think is an incredible – you're doing an incredible job, by the oh, way. Thank you. Uh, is uh, the, the recent series you're doing now on Still a Man panel – Uh, the four-part series, the first in that series, you spent some time at the Civil Rights Museum uh, interviewing and talking with the new director, you know, of the museum, Civil Rights Museum. I'm so sorry. Her name slips my mind right now. But, uh, But anyway, the thing that really impressed me about that is that 
here you are having dialogue with her about mm-hmm. the issue. And, you know, if we can at least be open to communicate and talk about these issues and, and talk about, you know, the perspective, because sometimes we misunderstand each other. You know, mm, maybe yeah. we're closer together than we realize if we'll just talk about these things. Well, uh, yeah, and one of the most creative things, I personally think, one of the most creative things Shane has done uh, during his ministry at Christ Church is that he has stimulated conversation. Uh, most... Uh, <laughs> I think I'm right about this. Most good things flow out of conversation. People have conversation about issues, and whether they explicitly make decisions about action, those conversations impact the way they're going to respond to those issues as they move into the future. And what causes most of the problems in communities is when people decide they're not going to communicate, they're not going to talk about it. Well, I mentioned this just in a couple weeks ago. I had an interview talking about this very issue, and I had to confess, you know, I'm just turned 56 years old, but I had never read Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Mm. And as I read that speech, I literally wept just hearing this man's cry of desperation and a portion of what he said was we aren't engaged in any negative protest and any negative arguments with anybody we are saying that we are determined to be men we are determined to be people we are saying we are saying that we are God's children and if we are God's children we don't have to live like we are forced to live. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, he, he continues that conversation, you know, in his letter from a Birmingham jail where he says, you know, that my great fear is not the white citizens council or the Ku Klux Klan, but the white Protestant moderate who decides uh, uh, silence over justice. Yes. And when you think about how often he said, if we cannot facilitate conversation and narrative, then the story never changes. It just repeats itself time and time again, often spiraling even in, even worse. It spirals out of control at some point, is what Dr. King says. Yeah, and, and if we can have conversation before we're forced to have conversation about a particular issue, if we can have conversation in a civil manner, the issue will sometimes resolve itself. Uh, people, I believe people are shaped by the way they talk and who they talk with. I, I really believe that. Yeah. And and the more we talk with people, the more we understand who they are, where they're coming from, what their issues are, how we should, could better relate, and what we need to do. Well, going back to one of the speakers, uh, the, the former lawyer of Dr. King, uh, W.J. Michael Cody, yeah. uh, I, I found a statement uh, where he, he said that uh, from a testimony online that he said in Memphis, it was a lockdown situation. Blacks uh, couldn't go to parks. They couldn't go to the libraries. They couldn't go to the zoo. As a matter of fact, if I walked to the Memphis Zoo on Tuesday, there would be a big sign that said, no whites allowed. Of course, that meant every other day there were no blacks allowed. And department stores would allow blacks to shop, but they wouldn't let them have jobs there. Black women could buy dresses or hats, but they couldn't try them on before they purchased them. Wow. You know, and we don't think about that. When we go into an apartment store, our ladies listening right now, you're not going to just purchase something without trying it on and making sure it looks right and feels right, Maxie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and just that issue, think how crazy that sounds to us today. 
I mean, just here, just here, and you read yes. that statement. That sounds so crazy, but it was common. It was common back fifty years ago. Well, I mean, and Dr. King said, you know, the longer that kind of um, situation happened, he says it's like a black hole that continues to suck the light out of the night sky until it is completely devoid of stars at all, which means that, you know, you lose your hope, you lose your sense of of, of the the possibilities and potential of what you can become as a society. And it and it's not just the issues of race and violence. He said, you know, that the greatest inequality of all, he said, was the lack of, of a person having health care. Because he said that was the most shameful and the most inhumane when a person could not get the kind of care just because of the color of their skin that, that someone who was a different color uh, could attain. Which had to go to a separate hospital, exactly. by the way. The, the, I mentioned to you before the show here, the Collins Chapel Hospital, mm-hmm. which is part of the Collins uh, you know, Chapel CME Church. They started that uh, hospital back in the early 1900s. As a matter of fact, uh, Bishop Henry Williamson is going to be my guest next week. They're in a mm-hmm. major renovation project or this hospital to provide uh, health care to the underserved population of our community. You know, we've got obesity is a big issue here in our city, which connected with that is diabetes because of, you know, kidney issues. And so, you know, there's a need to have dialysis. There's a need for other special medical treatment that there are people in our community don't have access to. Absolutely. I talked to a lady the other day who's been on dialysis for nine years. Nine years. And when you think about just the toil on the body, um, but not just the body, but the toil on her soul and her family, her community. I mean, that is such a tragedy. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back, too, gentlemen, on the Jim Crow laws that were in place at this time mandating the separation of races uh, practically in every aspect of public life. Uh, were systematically instituted here in the South beginning back in the 1890s. Water fountains, restaurants, theaters, restrooms, stores, buses, trains, workplaces, and other public facilities were typically designated with white only and colored signs. Uh, you know, and, and these are things that are faint memories for, for most, but there's some that can still quite remember the pain of what it was like to not be able to drink out of a water fountain. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about what you just said about uh, Bishop Williams in the CME Church. Uh, that does say something wonderful that back then they had that hospital because they they had to have a hospital for all their people because none of their people had ready access to health. But now they're redoing that, that the underserved, uh, that, yes. that's a powerful kind of thing that the underserved now uh, will have access. And that's one of the great needs of our city. Uh, there are a lot of underserved people uh, that, because of economics or a lot of other systems, don't have access to health care. Yeah, and I would like to go back, if I could, to Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And there was, uh, of course, the, the monumental part of the speech as he got started to close out. He says, you know, what's beautiful to me is to see all of these ministers of the gospel. It's a marvelous picture. Who is it that's supposed to articulate the longings and aspirations of the people more than the preacher? Somewhere the preacher must have a kind of fire shut up in his bones, and whenever injustice is around, he must tell it. Somehow the preacher must be an Amos who said, when God speaks, 
who can but prophesy? Again with Amos, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Somehow the preacher must say with Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me and he has anointed me to deal with the problems of the poor. Mm. That's great. Well, you know, in in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 4, Matthew 9, I think it's Luke 4. You know, when people ask specifically about Jesus' ministry, it is to preach, to teach, and to heal. And uh, I mean that's a powerful that's a powerful vision, an image of of a God who is not just having spiritual conversations, which so many times that's all the church seems to be about. Yes, is we get very comfortable with spiritual conversations, but miss what it means to touch, to be willing to make a difference in people's lives. Well, and you know, too, it seems to me that Dr. King found great strength and encouragement with fellow ministers who stood with him. You know, I mean, I'm sure you gentlemen feel pretty encouraged, too, when you know those are standing with you. But how much more, not just those within your church or on your staff or in your denomination, but when you've got cross-denominational, cross-racious that are standing with you for the fight that you're in, I mean, that has got to provide great strength. And that's why we as a community, a faith community, the leadership of our pastors and our churches have got to come together and, uh, you know, and, and, and discuss this issue. And this panel you're creating is a perfect forum, you know, and maybe some of our pastors listening now might want to consider, uh, I know they have Wednesday night services, they might want to consider, hey, we're going to do something special. Maybe we want to bring mm-hmm. our leadership to this panel discussion. Maybe great. we want to bring our whole church yeah. to this congregation, you know, this <laughs> meeting you. on Wednesday night. That would be great. Byron, on the other side of the, uh, of the brochure, too, is something we're doing this Sunday, uh, which is Sunday, February 25th. At both of our Sunday school hours, we are doing something called Arms Around Memphis, and we're taking our Sunday school sort of off track a bit and focusing on these different workshops, bringing in experts from the community. We're going to talk about poverty through relief and rehabilitation, criminal justice, refugees and immigrants, theology of health care, urban education, youth development, because we believe these are the places where these bigger issues, you know, where the meta-narrative hits the ground, is when you start talking about health care and poverty, it's going to hit the ground in urban education and in youth development, where it, where it really, as it says, you know, the rubber meets the road. And so we want to talk about those issues as well. So that'll be this Sunday during our Sunday school hours. And so you have a selection of classes that you can yes. pick from right here. Now, are these available on your website, too, if people wanted to go there? They they will be available, yes, uh, yeah. after Sunday. They can actually hear. Uh, some of them will be Well, videotaped. I was thinking they could go on and be able to see this. Oh, one. absolutely. Right now. Yeah. Absolutely. They, that way they can pick what they want to go to. Yeah. If you go to ChristChurchMemphis.org, yeah. uh, you'll see the Still a Man um, uh, uh, advertisement, the image. I went blank there. Uh, it's been a long day. And you can look up all of the show information, the panel, the arms around Memphis, everything. Do you gentlemen feel that some ministers of the gospel, ministers of the gospel might fear compromising their call as ministers of the gospel for speaking out on social issues? I, I think I'm going to answer first, and then I'm going to let him finish it, because he probably he has more gravitas in this, so I'm going to just set it up. I'm going to tee it up for him. I think yes, and I think that it's because when you start talking about these issues, you really begin to meddle into people's personal routines. And I'm going to throw it over to my brother here. <laughs> Well, yeah, sure. Uh, the uh, 
uh, until the wholeness of the gospel is embraced, there's always going to be what you're talking about. Because until the wholeness of the gospel is embraced, people are going to think we're meddling when we talk about issues that uh, affect them and really confront them where they are falling short of the gospel. And and uh, really, we're falling short of the gospel in most of these issues that we're talking about here. Uh, but that's, that's the nature uh, of what we ought to be about within the church. If, if people are going to grow uh, in their Christian commitment and in their Christian walk, if they're going to mature as disciples of Jesus, they're going to have to start living more and more like Jesus. And uh, that that's just the risk we take when we have to confront them uh, with these issues to for them to make a decision about how they're living in relation to the issues. Well, is there a particular formula that uh, Christ Church uses when deciding how to engage these issues related to social needs of our community and people? I mean, what do you, is there a filter you go through? I mean, obviously you look at, obviously you're based on the Word of God, I understand that, but I mean, as you look at the needs, because I heard it said one time from a professor in Bible college that the need doesn't always constitute the call Mm. for a church, and we've all have different roles as the body of Christ, and I know you've got a specific role that you see that you're doing. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, people don't even realize the ministries have been started as a result, you know, uh, Jacob's Well, SOS, I mean, uh, many others I probably can't even think of right now that, that Christ Church has helped to breathe life into, sure. you know, as a, as a gospel ministry, uh, but still at the same time meeting the social needs of people. Well, you know, Byron, I can just tell you what we did in this process, which is, um, you know, we, we, had a, we had an opportunity. We knew that we'd been a part of this discussion, the Memphis Christian Pastors Network, um, ably run by um, Rufus Smith at Hope Church, um, just have been amazed at his leadership. And we knew that there was going to be a lot of conversation that was going to be taking place around the assassination. We wanted to br- broaden that scope a bit. And so when we began to ask the question, you know, we have a certain vision, and one of those is to love Jesus and love like Jesus. And therefore, if we're talking about any issue, we're going to ask the question first, you know, in this particular issue, what does it mean to love Jesus and what does it mean in this issue to love like Jesus? And it didn't take a whole lot. I mean, it wasn't rocket science. I, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. And I, I was able to see pretty clearly that, you know, these are big issues even today. And we have made some great progress in some of these issues in some corridors of our communities. The problem is, is that Christians should never settle. We should never That's settle it. that we have more. We, ha- we want to bring this into completeness and bring it into, commu- into maturity so that we can, we can be like Christ. Well, I'll tell you what, our time is slipping so quickly, and we don't want to get away before we give out the details how folks can register for the panel next Wednesday night, February 28th, is it? That's the date. That's right. Uh, again, from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, are there costs involved? Um, there is $10, but that includes dinner. 
Um, and so we're going to feed you. And uh, but don't don't let that be a deterrent. If you don't have ten dollars, we'll find you ten dollars. Um, uh, the folks back at the church just a big gasp just went up all over the campus. Um, but you can register online at ChristChurchMemphis.org uh, forward slash tickets, and uh, you can get that, or just call the the number. Uh, for the front desk, and they can help you get that information. Well, gentlemen, I do appreciate so much of what both of you are doing for Christ's kingdom in our community uh, and meeting the needs of, of the people that are, you know, underprivileged, underserved, but, uh, you know, also preaching the full gospel, you know, Amen. of Christ yeah. and and, uh, and taking it to the streets. We appreciate you so much. And going to have to have you come back. I always enjoy when we get together. I just I love you guys. Mm. Thank God for what God is using in your life in our city. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate all you do. Absolutely. God yeah. bless you. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. We are also want to say goodbye to our friends live on Facebook. We've been uh, carrying today's program live on our Facebook channel. So uh, this program will be online so people can go back and watch that. Just go to Byron Tyler uh, on Facebook and you'll be able to see it. But we're going to say goodbye on that. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.